Hey, you're watching Picture This, our photography podcast. And this week's episode, we're going to be talking about crowdfunding. Or crowdsourcing, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, The pros, the cons, where people go wrong, where people go right, how it impacts you and how it impacts photography specifically. Yeah, it is the source for what seems like all the new exciting announcements that we have. I always read all these entry, all these blog posts where they're like, wow, this new drone, camera, gadget, whatever is coming out. It looks awesome. It's only $100. Pre-order now on Kickstarter. And I'm always like, oh, God, yeah. Kickstarter again. You know you have to wait a little longer. But before we get into all of that, we first want to tell you that this podcast is made possible by Squarespace. Whether you need a domain, website, or online store, make your next move with Squarespace. They have beautiful award-winning templates, an all-in-one platform, and award-winning 24-7 customer support. You just need to know how to drag and drop, and you can build it for any business that you have. So go to squarespace.com Tony and use the coupon code PORTFOLIO to get 10% off and let Squarespace know we're doing a pretty good job over here. Thank you, Squarespace. Thanks, Squarespace. And this is a mainly audio format, so you can watch it on YouTube. But you can also uh, put picture this into your podcasting app on your phone and listen to it while you're working out or driving or whatever. It's a longer format. I prefer that. So the longer format's nice if you're cleaning, gardening, jogging, working out at the gym. You can listen to something passively as you go about your day. Yeah. So what exactly is crowdfunding, Chelsea? It's when a bunch of different people fund an idea with small donations or pre-orders. Yeah. And from the side of the business, you could be an inventor. You could have an idea for something cool, but know that it's going to take you $20,000 to design and manufacture. And you don't have $20,000 and you don't have a bank that can give you $20,000. So you can go on Kickstarter, set up a page, make a promotional video. Or Indiegogo or whatever. Yeah, and people will see it and they'll be like, Go fund me. That looks awesome. I want that to exist. Here's a little bit of money. And when you do make it, you'll send me that. Usually you're kind of pre-ordering an item. And it seems like pre-ordering, except it's not pre-ordering. It's technically an investment. And investments are risky. Yeah, and it's investment, or it can just be a donation. Sometimes they just have a dollar donation option or $5 yeah. donation option, or they can say, give this amount and you get the product. But a lot of people don't understand these intricacies of it. A lot of people think Kickstarter or Indiegogo is a store, and yeah, they buy it's something. it's not a store. And they hope to get it at an awesome discounted price because they're pre-ordering it, and then sometimes they lose all their money. So we're going to talk through that. We're going to talk about specific cases that have been wild successes, like this everyday messenger bag, and other cases that were huge failures, like the Lily drone that lost millions of dollars. Yeah, and we can tell you what to look for when you're trying to fund, uh, I was going to say Kickstarter, but if you're engaging in crowdfunding, what you should look for, what would be a good investment for you? Maybe you even want to start your own. So we want to end on a positive note. So I'm going to start by going over Ooh, with the doom and doom. some of the failures. And I think the biggest one is going to be the Lily drone, which was a little pocket drone, like the first selfie drone concept. And theoretically, you could pull it out of your pocket and it would follow you. Was that the one that looked like a phone case? Uh, no, but it, was, it wasn't too much bigger than a phone. Mm. There have been several different takes on selfie drones and not a single one that yet exists, despite the fact that they've been 
the concepts have been around for a couple of years. This was it's announced like, in May of 2015. It's like when people keep trying to trick us with the hoverboard from Back to the Future. Yes. And it's still not a thing, but they just keep getting our dreams up. Yeah. Or various flying cars. I've been seeing, oh, this flying car is going to be for sale in a year. I've been seeing that since, you know, the 80s <laughs> and before. And there's still no flying cars. They just have a guy with a cardboard cutout of a car on a stick. They're like, it's floating. Well, the future. That's uh, what this Lily drone is like. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very on the nose because they uh, very much faked the promotional video that they put on Kickstarter. So when you went to their Kickstarter page asking for you to pre-order this item, there was an awesome video there that made this product look so cool and so real. But one of the things that came out in the investigation into their massive, massive failure was an email from the CEO. He says, I'm worried that a lens geek could study our images and up close and detect the unique GoPro lens footprint. But I'm just speculating here. I don't know much about lenses, but I think we should be extremely careful if we decide to lie publicly. What a piece of sh person. <laughs> yes. So he did he decide knew. to lie publicly. He decided to be deceptive. Yeah. And I don't know that anybody actually spotted that it was a GoPro. I know at the time we covered it in our news only to say, do not pre-order this because everybody was covering it. I have a vague memory of you pulling me aside and saying, look at this footage something seems completely wrong about this. Yeah, it, it was supposed to be a $500 drone you and all the what? footage looked awesome. And I thought that's too cheap. This is too complex. It's too big of a leap. Tony, you're the lens geek that he, the prophecy foretold. Yeah, I didn't because call it out as being a GoPro, but I no. did know it wasn't like, this isn't adding up to a $500 your, product. Your geek senses were tingling. You yeah, know, there's something wrong with the force that and many years of actually working on engineering teams trying to make products. I know like some things like, oh, this isn't possible. You just can't make that. Yeah. Um, so their deal was you could pre-order it for five hundred dollars. But if you waited until it was released, it would cost you a thousand dollars. And that's a really tempting offer. If you know you want it, your option is to give five hundred now or a thousand later. Of course you're going to do the 500 thing right if you don't know how kickstarter crowdfunding works yeah yeah and especially combined with the video that made it look totally tight and legit now lily did actually ship some products what did it look like did you get to see what it what it did yeah and it was this little cute thing about the size of your hand like most of it fit nice. in the palm of your hand but when people actually got them they completely sucked it, you know, lacked most of the features that it was supposed to have. And um, not many people actually got them. They kept pushing back the shipping date and pushing it back and pushing it back. And in the meantime, new drones were coming out, like the DJI Mavic came out and kind of provided like a real portable mm -hmm. drone solution that really actually worked. Um, anyway, they in just January 2017, they announced that they weren't going to ever ship this and that they would give everybody's money back. So it doesn't, amazing. it doesn't sound like a huge flop, especially if you did invest, you're getting your money back, right? But not everybody got their money back. Yeah. Um, I, I just put a query out cause it hasn't been long. Mm -hmm. I just reached out to people and said, did you pre-order one? And if so, did you get your money back? And I hadn't talked to many people who had it, but one guy said that his friend pre-ordered one and got his money back, but he hasn't gotten his money back yet. 
Um, is it possible that he also, that the CEO also saw impending lawsuits coming his way and decided to just refund before anyone tried to sue him? Yeah, that's entirely possible, especially because he got because, caught in a lie. He admitted yeah, that that's he just was, flat out fraud. He used the word lie. He didn't say we can't produce the footage we want. We know we have an idea of what it will look like. Let's replicate it. He didn't use that language. He said, if we decide to lie publicly, so you're getting people to invest in a lie. That's unethical. Yeah. And I, I'm not a lawyer, but I would believe that he personally would be liable for that, even outside of the, the bounds of the business, especially as the, the chief. Uh, another photography tri uh, failure was Trigger Trap. Now, Trigger Trap makes these little gadgets that you plug into your phone and they'll make, they'll take a picture if you clap, if you fire a gun, if you, if there's a <laughs> lightning bolt. A no, that's common because somebody will like shoot a melon and they want to take a picture of the melon exploding, but you can't like hit the shutter that I know, fast. Whenever I shoot a melon, I'm like, yeah. there's my Trigger Trap. Well, I know. <laughs> I always think that too. Like how often are you going to use this? It's not like you bust it out every day. Uh, what are we shooting today? Can you imagine how excited you are when you finally have the perfect thing? Someone's like, I want to shoot a melon. And you're like, oh, I got the perfect <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. more like you get the Trigger Trap and then you're like, how can I use this? Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird way to go that's about it too. to start that's with a gadget. Too. But um, they released a couple of different versions. They had a, a Kickstarter in 2011 that raised $77,000, only asking for 25K, and it shipped in 2012. They had another one that raised $500,000. That's a lot of money. Yeah. In 2013, and they kept delaying it. This is the signature of a failing Kickstarter is we're going to ship we're in May. Production problems. Oh, but no, it's going to be June uh, and then October. Oh, about the holiday season. Yeah, we just we just want to make sure it's perfect for you guys. That's what God. they always say. Like, they're doing a big favor for you. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's really good now. It's there. We're just a You're little more refinement. You're going to love it when you get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then in May of 2015, they finally announced failure. They say they're not going to, well, they said they successfully made the product, but it ended up costing five times more to produce than they had people paying for it. So they refunded the money. They refunded the money. And if you look at the press release, they're saying we're just refunding money. And that makes everything seem okay. And a lot of the news articles I saw just said they refunded people's money. But not all of the money. No, you could only get 20% of your money. <sighs> So that's a, a bit of a gap between the public perception of Kickstarter and what actually went down. Because if you just looked at it casually, you'd think, okay, the investors didn't lose anything, but they did. They lost 80% of their money if they got that refund. And I don't know how many people actually got that refund or not. You could also get 50% of it in store credit. And then just in the beginning of this year, the company completely folded. Yeah. So I guess your store credit wouldn't really do much good. Oh, they gave you store credit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, Exactly right. And so these are a couple of cases where people invested and they ended up losing big, never actually seeing anything and going through a whole lot of stress as you keep getting these updates from the company. Yeah. And, you know, we're, this is the the cons part of the show. So we're being pretty negative, but it's not all lies and cheaters that make these failures happen. Well-meaning people can have a failed Kickstarter yeah, I, I totally believe that the trigger trap people were completely well-meaning. They seem to have handled everything honestly. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you get in over your head. It's a real business is hard. It's a real Icarus situation. Yeah. And Why it's not, not uncommon that you think you can sell something for 50 bucks and it ends up actually costing you $200 yeah. to make. And then you're like, oh, crap, wow. I screwed that up. Uh, here's a company that is not a scam that seems to have everything together perfectly well. It's our sponsor, Squarespace. <laughs> They make uh, 
it's a web hosting platform, so you can host just about any type of website there. If you're a doctor, you could host a website for your doctor's office. If, if you're a contractor, please get one. Yeah, contractors I've have been... the worst websites on the planet. Restaurants too. You know how many like bougie five-star restaurants you go to their website and it's clear some waitress took a picture with her smartphone and just put these pictures up. No, get a real website that's designed properly that will work well on mobile devices. You can host your menu there. Or if you're a photographer, it's the best I way to make menus. your portfolio look completely awesome. Why don't more websites have menus on there? Restaurant websites have more menus. I just want to find out what you serve. Can't answer all these questions. They link to just one woman over here. But one question I can answer is how to get 10% off of your Squarespace portfolio. And that's by going to squarespace.com slash Tony and using the coupon code portfolio. Yeah, check it out. Make your pictures look awesome. Thank you for sponsoring this Squarespace. Okay, stick box. The this one you said this is your the heart. one that breaks my heart. <laughs> it really is the saddest one. This young inventor had this novel idea for a selfie stick, but it was built into the, the smartphone case yeah. and extended out of the case. So you kind of always had your selfie stick with you, and the, the body of the selfie stick would be pr- providing some protection for your phone, too. Right. So it was a case that basically extended out into a selfie stick, a twofer. Exactly. And I know our community isn't big on selfie sticks, but they are really popular gadgets. Mm-hmm. And this seemed to be a really novel use of them. So he had a Kickstarter and raised $44,000. He was Plenty a young for him man, to... right? How old was he? I'm not sure. But yeah, he was a young guy and had a great idea, a novel idea. One week after his Kickstarter project, Chinese companies manufactured replicas that were exact ripoffs of the design he showed before Heartless. he had even started manufacturing it. Heartless. They'd stolen his design, ripped it off, and were selling them for for ten dollars. He was selling them for about like thirty-five dollars. That's so sad. That's <laughs> so they sad. completely undercut him. And if you look at his Kickstarter, you'll see comments from people who invested who are super mad because they could have gotten it for ten dollars. They don't care that this guy was an actual inventor and somebody ripped him off. They're mad because they should have just bought the waited and bought the Chinese ripoff. I know. And in that way, Kickstarter kind of like smashed somebody's innovation by putting his design out there in the public before he was ready to ship it. And that's something we see happen quite a bit. Well, it's not Kickstarter's fault, but you the have process, to be, you yeah. have to be wise about how you choose to bring your business into the world. And if it's something that's very easy to replicate, if you watch Shark Tank, we love that show. One thing they always say is, do you have a patent? And is this something that can be easily replicated for this exact reason? Someone can rip you off in a week. Probably not a good thing to put on the internet. Yeah, and I went and uh, you you can't actually buy the stick box, but you can buy the Chinese ripoffs on Amazon. They stole his picture too. They actually took photos from his Kickstarter <gasps> video. And use that to promote their ripoffs. And they put the name of the stick box in the description of it. So when you search for stick box, you get an almost stick box ripoff. Is it just one company that copied it or just like No, there seem to be several companies. Sometimes it'll be one company company manufacturing it and other companies rebrand it and sell it and stuff. So I don't know if it's one manufacturer. But there seem to be several different companies. This is rough. It's awful. I hate that about business. Well, that's a tough lesson to learn, but he learned it. Yeah, and and here you see comments from people who just want a, a refund for it. Yeah, refund said Bobson Gimong. Where's your heart, Bobson? 
sometimes the Kickstarter project will technically be a success and it will ship, but I still kind of consider it a failure because the product had some fatal flaw and a product can have just one fatal flaw and still render it kind of useless. And one of those is, is a product I have here, the uh, Z camera E1, you have it. which is something we were really interested in. It, it promised to be like an action camera. It's the form factor is slightly bigger than a GoPro, which is really useful because we often film in our car and we'll stick a GoPro on the dash, but the GoPro video quality is pretty bad. So this offered a full micro four thirds sensor and the ability to put micro four thirds lenses on it. And it has like a nice big screen on the back, which the GoPros at the time lacked. It seemed like a perfect answer for the problem that we were having and would just be really practical for our filming. And uh, they were on Kickstarter for $450 and promising to sell them for $700 when they retailed. So you, you know, you're looking at saving yourself 250 bucks there. That's pretty good. They raised $310,000 for this and they shipped them. Yeah. So it sounds like a success, right? Except when we got it in, we tried it one time and we determined that in its current state, it was not something we would ever use because the video quality on it, it, it just had this weird thing where it made skin look just like super weird. Like the video, <laughs> just all of our skin just looked like weird and flat. And now I'm remembering this thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we all looked at the video and then we looked at the GoPro video and we're like, no, we just have to go back to the GoPro. And the focusing was also appalling. Like you just couldn't get it to focus. And it just needs rebranding. The super weird skin camera. <laughs> That's a great idea. Maybe we can resell ours on eBay. <laughs> and so we just put it on the shelf and we're like, we'll just wait for a firmware update and revisit you. Um, but so how soon did that come? Yeah, that never came. You can see a comment here. The support forums on the Zcam website have now been completely removed. Does this mean no more support or contact between users and Zcam? And if you go to their support website, it's a big blank space. Yeah. So if you bought one of these, you probably never got usable video out of it. And you certainly never got any support. And because they did actually ship it, there's no opportunity for a refund. That's a common thing I saw when when researching these kind of failed campaigns or the campaign was successful, but the product was a flop. They got yeah. everything in place. They forgot you need a huge customer support team if you have sold a lot of products. So, yeah. And as the buyer, keep in mind that if you're buying something from Amazon, you're probably looking at reviews. And how yeah. many products do you look at that don't have great reviews where you look at the reviews and you're like, oh, I'm not going to buy that. You're buying something sight unseen with no reviews out there based only on the information provided by the manufacturer who's profiting from it and speculating about what the product is going to do. That's it's a crazy why it's nice gamble. to actually crowdfund because you're like, hmm, I can sell 500 of these with no reviews to be seen. <laughs> Just a yeah. flashy little video. Like, you're right. Because if they had waited to sell this until after it was released, the first guy who got it would have said, oh, it doesn't autofocus at all or not well at all. And the video looks weird. And then nobody else would have bought them. <laughs> and they would have the company would have gone through all the process of engineering and manufacturing and shipping only to be stuck with one star reviews and not actually be able to sell it. But for the consumer, that's not a great deal. <laughs> Let's talk about some actual successes. Ooh, success. I think one of the biggest examples of successes is in the photography world is the everyday messenger. Bag. Yeah. Peak design. Peak design. One thing I didn't realize is that they did six Kickstarter campaigns. 
the first one was successful, but uh, I got the feeling that they had worked out a lot of kinks and learned a lot of lessons from that because they seemed to really have to streamline their production and their shipping, and um, they learned from it. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it's a sink or swim situation, and you have to think long term. You have to have customer support. You have to fix problems, and you have to make sure that the consumer is happy with the finished product. And they did that. They had this little tiny strap thing, and that one went well. And then from there, they did multiple other Kickstarters, and they all seemed to go really well. Yeah, and and full disclosure, we do know the the Peak Design guys, and they would send us bags like before they were finished. Yeah. So we got some insight into their development and refining process, but they did it well. They would send bags out to people and get some feedback and make little refinements. They cared. Yeah, and when they did ship it, they shipped a, a great product. Now... I, I don't know. I've kind of moved away from messenger bags in general just because they hurt my shoulders. They have a backpack now. But yeah, they do have a backpack now and I haven't, I haven't checked out yet, but I'm interested in it. And so I, it worked out great but for peak design. I think peak design, I think that they had real, they had real designers on hand. So I think they had some R and D. They did some research and development. They had real designers on hand. I think they probably got feedback before they even put any copies on Kickstarter so I think they tested it first. Mm-hmm. And then I think they had I think that they knew business. I think they had an idea of how to do shipping and an idea of what it would cost and and how to budget the project and if you look into it they kind of give everyone an idea of the steps that they take as they're doing the project. So they were very professional about it. And if you invested in their Kickstarter the bag cost you $195, but if you were to buy it on day 1, it would cost you $250. So you save money. Yeah, so you dollars. saved $50, which is pretty good motivation to actually invest in we, it. We've never done like a, a crowdsourcing site, but we actually crowdsourced our Photoshop book, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, by I, allowing pre-orders without yeah. like specifying Just a pre-orders. specific delivery People date. Canceled, and you know, we didn't have a specific delivery date or anything. But people pre-ordered, and then they got an unfinished version of our Photoshop book. As we were writing it, we would just send people chapters and get yeah, feedback. Yeah, ebooks. Yeah, yeah, ebooks, and um, it was really successful. Everyone funded the print run for us, which is really expensive. It's a huge chunk of money to put forward, so people made that possible for us, and it worked out really well. Yeah, and having buyers engaged early in the process helped me write a better book too. Yeah, by getting feedback as we went. So thanks, guys. This is one, I don't know if I did the Kickstarter, but we have this, a game called Exploding Kittens. Yeah, maybe not as closely related to photography, Exploding Kittens. Yeah, but but see, I have a point to make here if you're you're going to get involved with crowdsourcing. So Exploding Kittens, it's the the oatmeal guy. You know the comic guy? Um, So he made this card game, and his funding goal was 10,000. He raised... 8.8 8.8 million about so that's quite a lot but um i think you could have been pretty sure that you were going to get this one because it's a card game you don't have complicated manufacturing you're not having someone innovate the smallest drone you've never heard of a company and suddenly they have like the newest technology in the world that's pretty unbelievable this is a card game made by a cartoonist and it has cartoon drawings on cards Pretty sure this one's going to work out. Yeah. So my point is, I'm sure he still had some hiccups. Manufacturing is difficult. Shipping can be more expensive. But he probably had someone helping him. Uh, he's well known. So if the person is reputable already and it's fairly easy to manufacture, probably a safe bet. I have to say you didn't save money. 
with that one though. I think it was twenty dollars on Kickstarter and twenty dollars on Amazon now. So Oh yeah. Has good reviews though. Yeah, it's a super fun game. Definitely check it out. Okay. So this one is also not photography related, but uh I think it's an interesting story on what not to do. It's the coolest twenty first century cooler which I wanted until I started researching it more. So they made a really sweet cooler. It's got a blender on it. It's, it's fancy, trust me. They wanted to raise $50,000. They raised $13.3 million. I know what you're thinking. That sounds like a success. But here's <laughs> what, where they went wrong. First of all, they shipped to their Amazon buyers before the people that actually funded their whole business. How was that a way to say thank you? Well, they ran out of money. Right. So they got $13 million and then they put it all into the engineering and the manufacturing and the setup. And then when it came time to actually build the devices, they ran out of money to make just to build it. So they had to sell them on Amazon first to get some money in order to build the ones to make for the Kickstarter clients. So if you pre-ordered this particular product, uh, you were probably furious because it would have been smarter for you to wait until it was available for sale on Amazon. Yeah. So here was a disservice if you were an investor. You got uh, the short end of the deal. Not to mention, I went on Amazon and it has 28% one-star reviews. Mm -hmm. The reviews look like this, like some five-star, one-stars. Um, a lot of people complain, really poor construction. It broke after using it. And this made me realize that if you're having something crowdfunded, you might not necessarily have the research and development that you need. You might not be uh, making a prototype and then testing it for how durable it is. You might not have the connections with bigger businesses to use the parts. Like people said that the blender broke. Maybe you'd have to team up with Black & Decker or something to have a better blender or figure that out. You don't really have the manpower because you're not a huge business like Coleman or some other big um, cooler manufacturer yeah and at best it's going to be a v1 of the product right yeah. at best it's going to be the first version and everything's always better after a couple of iterations yeah uh so let's talk about the if you're considering investing what are the traits that you might look for to see if something's going to be risky what okay. is a risky kick so like? here are some things that i noticed and you can comment uh you can send us an email or you can comment if you're watching on youtube one thing that I noticed, if it's really manufacturing heavy, if you have an innovative idea like the drone, or if it's a more complicated design, like the, there was a 3D printer, there are a few other things, uh, that's going to be a really difficult one to crowdfund, especially if someone doesn't have experience in that field. So if you're just, oh, I had a cool idea, now I'm going to manufacture a drone, you don't necessarily have the skills and the experience to do that. Another thing to look for is who is asking for money. Is this someone doing this for the first time, their first business, or is this an experienced business person who is now looking for people to crowdfund a new idea? Business is complicated. You don't know what you don't know. And some of those things are you have to take into account that uh, the crowdfunding people, Kickstarter can take eight to 10%. You have to take that into consideration when you're pricing your item. How much will your finished product weigh? Because that's going to influence your shipping. How are you going to ship? Do you have a freight service? Can you produce enough in bulk to get the price of each item down? These are just little things that you know if you've already worked in business. So if the person doesn't have experience or isn't hiring someone to help them with that, 
that's a risky one. Yeah. And supply chain management is the most boring thing you can think of, but it's so important and erects so many things. It's just, you know, you're building a cooler and you need this one little wheel and you plan around all of it. You get ready to manufacture and then your wheel manufacturer goes out of business or they raise their, their price by 20% or currencies fluctuate and you're getting it from China, but now stuff from China is more expensive because of currency fluctuations. And that can ruin everything for you or they say they're going to ship it to you and they just don't and so you have you know two thousand of these things lined up with no wheels just waiting on this one little part and it happens to big businesses but especially inexperienced businesses um another thing i think you should look for is if they're asking for too much or too little so here's the thing if you ask for less money then you're more likely to have your project funded and you can keep the money and invest in your business. But if you don't ask for enough money, you're not going to be able to deliver your product. So if you're not a business person or if this isn't really your thing, you might have a hard time assessing that. But if it's extreme, if they're really not asking enough for a product or if they're asking uh, way too much, then you know something's not quite right. Yeah, or I think if there's a big gap between their asking price and the MSRP that they're offering. Yeah. That seems suspicious to me. Like this Peak Design bag was 25% off the sale price. That seems reasonable. Yeah. But some of them offer it 50, for half. Yeah. And that's real suspicious because they're trying really hard to get you to pre-order it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and then the other thing we talked about this, is the product easy to replicate or steal? So an example that I saw was something called a fidget cube. Mm-hmm. And it's this little plastic cube. They raise like $6.5 million. It's got a clicker on it. It's for people that fidget. Um, it's not com- really that complicated. And it was a really successful Kickstarter campaign, uh, but they had problems with manufacturing. And in the time that it took them to work on those problems, some other manufacturer just stole their idea and sold a bunch of their product already. So that's going to really put the company back. And that's probably not a company that you want to invest in because if they're not getting money, you're not getting a product or money. Yeah. And as a business, if you have a cool invention, you keep it secret until you're selling it. Or get a patent or. Yeah. You don't go on uh, a major marketing campaign a year before you're going to be able to ship it and it's just tough divulge exactly what you're doing. I, it's just tough because I think especially people that would never do that, they don't think someone's just going to come in and say, I could make money selling your idea and then do it. That's just something, if you don't think, if you wouldn't do it, you might not think about the fact that other people do it with no remorse at all, so. Yeah, and I wanted to go over some of the most common causes of failure that I see looking at these in aggregate. One is that a lot of prototypes are completely fake. So keep that in mind as you're looking at those cool videos, they're probably completely faked. We had a a video pulled offline because I covered a Kickstarter project and I included a little bit of their marketing material. Yeah. And it turns out that their drone footage was uh, just commercial stock footage because YouTube detected that I used that copyrighted stock footage and pulled my video. I remember we couldn't figure out what was going on. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, their Kickstarter video is fake. fake." Yeah. And I got conned into showing off how cool their footage was. Um, Building a prototype doesn't mean you can mass produce it. You can make one of something and it doesn't mean you can make a thousand of something or 10,000 of something. Yeah. Um, mass producing a product doesn't mean you can support it. Like with the cooler. Yeah. And drones in particular are prone to breaking, crashing, and you need to be able to get parts to people. You need to be able to troubleshoot problems for them. Um, oftentimes a company will bring in a different CEO to manage, run and manage a company than they will to build it. 
But here you probably have a, one specific investor who's trying to manage a company and then uh, handle the operations for an ongoing support I think a big product. part of that is that these companies are growing so fast. And I know that it's really attractive and fun when a company can grow overnight. You're like, he had a dream and then he raised $20 million in six months. Like That's a very, very fun news story. That is not any way that I would wish for anyone to start a business. It has to grow slowly. It has to be strong. When you have a small business and you make a mistake, it's a small mistake. If you're dealing with $20 million and 50,000 products, that's a huge mistake that could completely crash your company. It's okay to slowly grow and make mistakes and learn from them. It's really difficult to make a big mistake in a new huge company that you don't have much experience with. Yeah, before like the 90s tech boom, kind of all companies took a long time and that it's just a healthier way to do it, I think. I am so glad that we grew slowly because we made some mistakes that if we made those mistakes now, we would just, we would have gone under probably. Yeah, we would have just lost the trust of everybody. Just, you know, typos and things like that. Stuff that... Shipping. Yeah, shipping problems. Losing books before the holidays, things like that. Yeah. So I found also traits of the healthy project. The person running the campaign has experience in that specific business. The complexity of the product aligns with the campaigner's experience. So um, maybe they're a business person, but they're like, I don't know, they own storage units, but now they want to build a drone. Not really any crossover there, so you probably want to know their history. Um, if they're asking for the appropriate amount, we talked about that. A realistic assessment of risks and challenges. That's at the bottom of a lot of crowdfunding pages. They have to tell their investors what they think their risks are. I saw a few of them where they just said, it's a big risk if I don't raise all the money I want. <laughs> like, that's not... It's a risk that the product will be too good and we'll work too hard yeah, at yeah. it. Meanwhile, I saw with... Um, Peak Design, they very carefully laid things out. Well, you know, we could have production delayed. This is what we have in place. We're leaving this buffer of time or, you know, we've worked out this or we're working with these people. And so they very realistically laid out the problems that could happen and what they've done to address them and then a possible income, uh, income outcome. Um, clearly outlining goals and the timeline of the product is important. If you just say, I'm making this new drone that no one's seen before and... It's just going to be here. You know, sometimes you have to say, okay, well, we have to research this and then and then we're going to test it in this month. Hopefully we hit that milestone and then we're going to ship out a few test samples and then you want them to have a clear outline and an actual plan, mm -hmm. not just to be flying from the seat of their pants. Um, and you also want to see if they update their campaign regularly. If they go on, they say, hey, guys, things are going well. We tested this. We got this, blah, blah, blah. It's working out. We're, we're on schedule or maybe even we're a little bit behind schedule, but we're working on fixing it. And then I think transparency goes along with that. Are they communicating? Are they telling you their issues, uh, but addressing them? Or are they just staying quiet and or just like, oh, we're running a little behind. We'll take care of it. But meanwhile, six months has gone by. So those are just some things to look for. So in summary, crowdfunding is a great way to fund an item that you want, but I think it almost never works out as just a cheaper pre-order. That's a huge gamble to take. And in my experience, in general, you're probably going to be losing the money. So, you, But you should invest in crowdsourcing if it's something you personally care about, it's not a, just to get a deal. It's a really cool way to invest in something so niche that no investor would ever make it a business. A really cool example of that is our friend uh, Chris Gampat from The Phoblographer. He made a black and white zine. And he, you know, he has a blog. 
He's, you know he's going to take care of it. He's done them before, and you can just buy it ahead of time, and then he gets to manufacture it. So you get to have this nice relationship with someone where you know that they can produce something. Yeah, and that is the best part about crowdsourcing is it can make new novel ideas come to life. Yeah. And that that is fantastic. It has changed a lot about business, and we've seen, like you said, niche segments get satisfied in a way that ne they never could have before. Some really cool film projects have come out which probably couldn't have happened without Kickstarter. Yeah, and in general, you want to see the Kickstarter project is an incremental step and not making a huge leap, and there's a better chance for actual success there. Yeah. Um, we've also learned that even if the management is honest and intel intelligent, the project still can fail, so that's just something to keep in mind. And inventors aren't always the best managers. Someone could have a really great idea and be very earnest and want to deliver it to people, but... Business is complicated, and inventing is not the same as managing, so mistakes can happen. And a plea to the press as a whole, please stop saying, referring to <laughs> Kickstarter projects as pre-orders or buying something from Kickstarter. Yeah. I see this in articles all the time. They're fully funded, so you can order knowing that you're going to get the no, product. It's an investment, and that's okay. It's okay. A risky investment. It's a risky investment. It's okay if you want to invest in something that might not ever happen. Maybe it's just an idea you really like or something you'd like to see happen, but it's not a pre-order and it's not a store. Don't be, don't give us a hard time with that. <laughs> One sure thing you can count on is Squarespace. They host websites. They'll make your website look awesome. And if you want your own website or just about any type, but they make especially good photography portfolios. Visit squarespace.com slash Tony. You get 14 days, no credit card required to set up your website. See if you like it. Try it out on mobile devices. Look at their awesome analytics. See many people visit it, send it past your peers, get some feedback on it. You can share the website in that stage. Hey, we even review people's Squarespace portfolios every Thursday at five. That's true, so we do. That's an option too. And they always look great. Go to squarespace.com slash Tony to sign up and get your free trial. And then if you decide you like it, use the coupon code portfolio to save yourself 10% off. Sites are pretty cheap. Thank you, Squarespace, for making all this possible. And again, look up the picture of this podcast. We could do some reviews and bring it with you as you go. It's a long format. It's nice to hear us chit chat sometimes if you're uh, driving or working out or gardening or <laughs> running or just like, cooking. Just like stretching on the floor yeah. or like making a pillow fort. These yeah. are the things you could do. Reading and watching TV all at the same time. Put your podcast on too. <laughs> Come on, can't you multitask? Multitasking, guys. Thank you. 